Welcome, and I am so glad that you made a decision right now to join us in our live stream service. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to help us celebrate Jesus Christ. And I know that you have lifted your voices up in praise with our praise team and celebrated Jesus as Lord of Lord and King of Kings of your life. We've been reminded of his sacrifice and love for us by him laying down his life, but we also celebrate that empty tomb, not only on this day, but every day of the week. It's an incredible opportunity for us to shine like Jesus in everything that we do and say because we are so grateful for what he's done for us. And in just a few moments, we'll dig into the Word of God to see what the Spirit is going to lay on our heart for this week and in the weeks to come as we continue to live out this discipleship life that celebrates Jesus in everything that we are. So you might want to go ahead and grab your Bible. We'll be in 1 John chapter 4 today, and I want you to encourage you to go ahead and grab that Bible and be turning there. We want to take a moment to let you know uh, that we've got a couple of guys who have been in leadership here for some time, uh, Dan Clemson and Charlie Rosenbaum, who this year have decided to step away from our shepherding team. They're still members here at our, our church and very active in the leadership in different ways, but have decided to step away from the shepherding role. And so we want to say thank you to Charlie and Dan for all that you've done, helped guide us along the way, and will continue to do so in the weeks and months to come. We praise God for your leadership, your wisdom and discernment along the way, and God's blessing to you on your continued journey. Well, we are closing out today our series called Shine, where we've been in the book of 1 John, discovering what that apostle John has been calling us to in this road that we follow Jesus on, this idea that every single day is a call to love and live just like Jesus, reflecting him into the society in which we live. And so the call today is for us, again, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to stay on the path, to stay in the light as he is in the light, to, to ignore maybe the, the noises that this world offers the chaos that is all around us, and to simply be Jesus in our words and our actions wherever we find ourselves, whether that's with our family, in our neighborhoods, at our workplace, uh, whether we're in line at the grocery store, at Walmart, it doesn't matter where you're at. We've got an opportunity every day, especially right now, to let the world know what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Thanks for doing all that you're doing to let his name be known because we are here to make Jesus famous. That's the bottom line. And we want to lift his name up in every way in our own life. You know, I'm sure that each and every one of us have some kind of music app that we listen to. My particular app of choice is Spotify. And on that particular app, as many of you know, you can kind of listen to the specific kind of music that you really enjoy listening to. For me, it's the 80s. I love that decade. That's the decade I was a teenager and grew up. And so I'm in love with that music and love to listen to it often. Many people love that decade, as a matter of fact. It kind of uh, takes care of all the generations who, who are listening to music right now today. And there are a lot of great bands that came out of that group. I remember last week, my wife and I were on vacation with another couple, and pretty much the entire drive, we listened to 80s on Spotify going and coming as we traveled in the vehicle. But uh, there was one particular group uh, that came out that is still popular. They started uh, in 1975, and they're still uh, touring today, and that is a group out of Boston, Massachusetts called Boston. And they have a great and popular song called More Than a Feeling. I'm sure that you've heard it before. And as we talk about the love that we're called to live out in Jesus Christ every single day that John is reminding us of as we follow Jesus, truly the love that God has for us and that we're called to love other people with 
is more than a feeling. It is very intentional. It's saying that I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and maybe do some things that I haven't done before, that I'm going to really live that out in action in my words and behavior every single day of my life. Because the way we know God is really through love. I mean, love is that defining factor of our faith community. It's what sets us apart from the world around us. We indeed love like God. That's how we're called to love as we follow Jesus Christ, try to reflect his light and imitate him on the path that we find ourselves on. And in our text today, John the Apostle is calling that first century church and us today to live in such a way that we reflect Jesus Christ. Uh, John wrote that letter. He was the last apostle to be alive about 95 AD. And in the letter, he's not only encouraging Christians in their walk with Jesus, but he's also trying to quell uh, a couple of false doctrines that are being taught in the church in that first century. One is that you should, could have this mysterious knowledge about God, and if you gain that knowledge, then you could be at one with God and know who God is. And John is saying, listen, the mysterious knowledge that you could have is actually Jesus Christ. He is the mystery. And if you know Jesus Christ, if he's Lord of your life, if, he's been, if you've been baptized into his name, then you've got everything you need to have a relationship with God the Father. The second idea that he was trying to quell was this idea that Jesus really wasn't everything he claimed to be as the Messiah. The, the doctrine taught that Jesus was actually born of two regular parents and he was a regular human male until his baptism when the supernatural force of God came upon him and then left him when he was on the cross. But John's reminding that first century church and us today, he says, listen, I lived with Jesus. I walked with Jesus. I saw the miracles. I heard him teach and preach. And in every possible way, I'm telling you firsthand from my own eyes, Jesus is the Son of God, the Lamb of God. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's everything that he claimed to be. So don't listen to the false teaching, but listen to what I have to tell you about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so as we close out our time in 1 John today, I, I want to dig into 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. John says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, if you've got your own Bible, I want you to highlight that last three words, God is love. Circle it, draw an arrow to it, because church, it is transformative if we truly believe that. And we know that we're called to reflect Jesus Christ in our own life. And so if God is love, Jesus is love, and we need to be love as well in our own life. Unfortunately, in our own culture, we tend to create God in an image that we're comfortable with, that we know well, rather than maybe digging into who he actually is. And so for some of us, God might be this harsh referee that is kind of on the sideline watching our life, and uh, he's kind of ready to kind of throw that lightning bolt or discipline us harshly when we get out of line. Some of us think that he's that kind of referee type of God. Others believe that uh, truly he's kind of this creative inventor who's stepped back from his creation. So some of us believe indeed God did create the world, but then after creation was over, he kind of stepped back and he's just letting the world do its own thing, not interacting in any way. And so some of us have that kind of image of God in our own life, that he's really far off, he's distant, he's not attainable, he's not accessible. 
Some of us think of God as kind of this, this uh, grandfather type who just simply lavishes blessings on his kids and grandkids all the time. Now, the truth is, none of those images of God are actually a true picture of who He is. But we as human beings have a tendency to create God in our own image, and there's a danger in that. Because when the image that we create God in doesn't live up to the picture that we've created, then we tend to say that Jesus really isn't for me, that maybe even God isn't real. And so what we have to do is look at God's Word, and specifically this series, as we've looked at what John has written to us about who God is and who Jesus is, that we form a picture of who God truly is. And what we find time and time again is that God is truly a very loving Father. Now, there's a great Christian artist out there by the name of Chris Tomlin, and he wrote a song a few years ago called Good, Good Father, and uh, has performed that on many occasions. We sing it right here at our congregation. You probably do it yours too. But it's a great song and a reminder that God truly is a good, good father. Now, the trouble with that idea is that some of us grew up with a physical father who did not represent a really good father. John Bishop, in his book, uh, God Distorted, really unpacks how many times we imagine our heavenly father like our earthly father. For some of us, we had an absentee father who just really wasn't around a lot, and so that's kind of the image that we've created our heavenly father in. Some of us have a really disciplinarian-type father who was always very controlling and uh, handed out harsh punishment. Some of us kind of had a late laissez-faire father who just kind of let you do what you wanted to do. And so sometimes our image of our heavenly father is not necessarily a good, good father because we look at him through the eyes and the model of what our earthly father has exhibited. You know, in the Old Testament, the idea that God is a father is represented about 15 times. But in the New Testament, he's represented as a good father some 245 times. And so we're reminded in those New Testament writings that God is truly an incredible Father, a good Father, a loving Father. We know God because of the love He exists or gives to us. He's a great provider. He's full of grace and mercy for you and I. But we also know that a good Father disciplines His children because He wants them to stay on the path, to stay in the light, to do what is they've been created for, rather, in their own life. And how you view God is definitely going to affect how you look and translate Him into your own life. But John's reminding us here in our text, in verse 8, that God is love. And by knowing that, and looking at that passage, you and I can reflect and understand that if we're going to be following Jesus Christ on the path, if we're going to be living in the light as He is in the light— then we too are going to exhibit love for our Father by following His commands and then loving all those around us unconditionally just like we were loved by our Heavenly Father. You see, love is how we know God, but love is also how we see God every day in our life. Take a look what the Apostle says in verse 9 beginning. He says, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Did you hear that? The kind of God that we have in our own life is one that sent his own son, despite our rebellion, to take care of us so that we would have the ability to have a relationship with that loving father. After all, Jesus was the first time that God had been seen in all of creation. Jesus is skin with God, or God with skin on, rather. And he walked among us. He had an incredible life of love. And as we look in the gospel accounts, we can see how Jesus lived his life and realize that, too, is how we need to pattern our own life. And when we share those loving ways with those around us, then people see Jesus in our life as well. I mean, think about all the different times that you have exhibited love to those around you, maybe even people that you didn't know, strangers. Here at our congregation, no doubt it's the same at your own location where you worship. We have lots of opportunities for our physical family and our spiritual family to be involved in the work of the church and sharing the love of Christ. So although we don't know exactly what it's going to look like when school starts back here in a few weeks, uh, every single year we have what we call a backpack blessing. Now, it's not that we bless the backpacks, but we bless the kids who are taking the backpacks into the school system. So we have them on stage, and our shepherds are there giving their blessing, kind of commissioning them to go into the school system and represent Jesus well. But equally, we know there are families in our community that can't afford the school supplies needed. And so those are donations that are given to families that we don't even know who are going to receive that in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, twice a year, we give out these plastic baby bottles, and people take them home, families do, and fill them with coins, bring them back, and we donate those bottles to our local pregnancy center to help young women who find themselves uh, pregnant and are looking for ways to make sure that they have that healthy baby. We support work in Campamento, Honduras, and numerous times we've helped families build a house in Honduras uh, during the holiday season we get about 150 names of families in our neighborhoods right here in our city uh, that are not going to have a Thanksgiving meal. And so our congregation makes sure that those 150 families are fed a turkey dinner. We take it to their home. Uh, The list goes on and on about different ways that we reach out as the body of Christ to share the love of Christ that's been exhibited to us. No doubt you've had some of those great opportunities in your location as well. And I know that you are putting an exclamation point on how to look like Jesus in your own life where you are located. After all, being a Christian, a follower of Christ is not a Sunday morning event. It is a lifestyle that you and I are called to every single day not just one day a week, but all seven days in our language and our behavior as we interact with the world around us. And John reminds us that God showed us his love while we were still sinners. And I want, to, I want you to get your head wrapped around that for just a moment. While I was slapping Jesus in the face, while I was nailing him to the cross, while I was in rebellion, while I was cursing his name, while I was pushing back on the gift of Jesus, God sent his son anyway. Jesus came anyway. Oh, what love God has for you and for me, that despite our rebellion and our sin, he sent his son anyway. That's the type of love that your heavenly father has for you and for me. And we have the mindset normally around November and December, of gift giving. But what if we, here in July, 
made an idea that, uh, you know, we're going to gift some love right now during this COVID event that's happening all around us, that we're going to find ways to be Jesus to those around us. I mean, I find it very interesting how some Christians haven't taken off the training wheels yet in their faith, and they rationalize what it means to love and serve like Jesus. There are moments around our congregation where there uh, needs to be a, a kid's teacher in the classroom, or maybe a chaperone on a youth event. Maybe we need another connect group or small group leader or a host home to open up. Maybe we need folks here to, to help clean the building at times, maybe to deliver meals to those who are shut in or sick. The list goes on of opportunities to serve and love. Yet the resounding sometimes comment is there's someone else to do that. We've got to remember that we've been given love from on high by the Father. And so it can't stop with us. We've got to make sure that goes out to those around us as well. What if during this very difficult moment in our own history, in our culture, right here in 2020, what if you and I made a decision right now to do some things that looked a lot like Jesus? What if we made a decision to look around our neighborhood and our next door neighbors and maybe help them with the yard work or bundling up those branches that they've cut down or knowing that maybe they're older, can't get out, and so taking them over some cookies or baked goods? What if we made a decision to actually go to one of those events or a march and simply hand out water bottles with no agenda other than just serving and loving like Jesus? What if we made a decision right now to write our city leaders a note, let them know that we're praying for them and the decision-making that they're having to make right now during this lockdown moment? What if you made a decision right now today to write a thank you note to the administrators at your kid's school? letting them know that you're praying for them and the decisions that are going to have to be made as the school year begins. There are lots of opportunities right now for you and me to look like Jesus, to be very different than the world around us, and share that love that we have been given through Christ. See, love figures out a way to serve. Love figures out a way to look like Jesus and live in the light. I mean, think about it on an everyday basis. How many moments every day do you think God gives you the opportunity to give love? How many times a day does he put right in front of the opportunity to look like Jesus? And how many times during the course of the day do I simply walk right by that opportunity because my agenda is too much, my calendar is too full, fill in the blank of whatever reason? Would I, constantly looking for those opportunities to look like Jesus, would I be transformed if I were to enter into those moments to be Jesus? Absolutely I would. And so the call that John is making for each and every one of us is that we wouldn't be nominal Christians, but indeed we would be the type of person that Jesus would call his disciple, that we would be love in the moment. You see, God is love. John's telling us that. And in John chapter 14, Jesus says, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it's a reminder that if we simply look at the gospel accounts, if we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we can begin to see how he was uh, inclusive, how he had compassion, mercy, and grace for all those around him, how he served humbly despite being the son of the living God. And you and I can look at his life and see how we're called to live as well, how we're called to imitate. 
Well, love shows us how we know God. It shows us how we see God. But ultimately, love shows us how we follow God. Take a look at verse 11 in our text. John goes on to say, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. John says, because of how much God has loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, what's interesting in that Greek word ought comes the idea of being obligated or indebted. And so it's a reminder in the original language, John is saying, because God has loved me so much to send his son, it can't stop with me that I'm actually indebted to God to pass that love on to those around me. And in doing so, I'm walking on the path, I'm staying in the light, I'm reflecting and imitating Jesus the very best that I can. Now, I would love to say that I always walk in the light, that I'm always right where I should be, but I find my times, my, sometimes I'm in the shadows. And maybe if you're honest, you would say the same thing about your own life. And, and Paul wants to remind us that we all have something in common. You know, I think Paul is probably the quintessential Christian. He's got 13 letters in our New Testament. He did a lot of missionary work. He lived his life devoted to Christ and even died for Christ. And so I would think he's in the upper echelon of those folks who might call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. But even Paul said, look, it's a process. And we all have the human condition. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, beginning of verse 15. Paul says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. He goes on to say, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Man, couldn't we all say that verse about our own lives? We want to walk in the light as he is in the light. And sometimes we find ourselves in the shadow. And the beautiful thing about the picture of God's love is that's exactly why Jesus came and gave himself sacrificially for you and for me. So that our sin would be forgiven for the moments we're not in the light would be found righteous in the eyes of God. Jesus made us new and fresh again because of his sacrifice. God loved us enough to send us his son. Now, I understand that the English language is kind of difficult to learn because it's kind of a conglomeration of all the languages of the world. And uh, there are some words that just don't really connect well like some of the ancient languages in their wording does. For instance, the word love is a good example. We're talking about love today, the love of God, and the love that we should have for others. But in the English language, I could say, I love my spouse, and I love pizza, or I love my kids, or I love the Dallas Cowboys, or I love Andy's frozen custard. We could go on and on about things that we love. Yet in the original Koine Greek, Love had four different words that really indicated what they were actually talking about. And so you have the word eros, which is really this um, 
the sexual attraction type of love. There's phileo and storge, which is the familial brotherly type of love. And then there's agape love, which is the unconditional love, no strings attached, no matter what's going on in your life. I love you and I'm not going anywhere. John in his writings, and he wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. In all of his writings, when he uses the word love, it's the word agape. It's that unconditional love that God had for us by sending his son while we were still sinners. And we're called to that kind of love in our own life. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was in the upper room on that last night with his disciples, he was washing their feet and he called them in chapter 13 of John to love one another. It's that word agape, unconditional. And we're all called to love agape love people around us, no matter their skin color, no matter if they're from north or the south or the east or the west, no matter if they uh, have a different size bank account, bank account than you do, whether they own a home or they're homeless, uh, whether they are from your nation of origin or have a different cultural background, whether they're white collar or blue collar, whatever their denominational preference might be, we're called to love people unconditionally doesn't mean you agree with everything that they do, but we love them unconditionally as we have been loved. And we share that agape love with those in the world around us, then we begin to see how Jesus affects the world in great and powerful ways. And I would contend this, that if you and I would commit to true agape love, love unconditionally, no strings attached, I guarantee it would change the structure of our country right now, that the tension that we see all around us in different ways would simply go away because unconditional love is just that, love with no conditions, that we want to share what God's given to us. You see, agape love is intentional love. It doesn't always come easy, but when you and I are making a decision to look like Jesus, to live in the light as he is in the light, to stay on the path, to fix our eyes on Jesus, when we love like that, it becomes very intentional. And sometimes it calls us to get out of our own comfort zone in order to look more like Jesus. You see, what I've discovered in my own life and from reading God's word is that God loves me despite moments I find myself in the shadows, despite my language or my background, my falling down, my driving ability, my business, my outbursts, my addictions, my angry emotions. Whatever's going on in my life, God loves me unconditionally. He sent his son despite my sin. And that very famous verse that John has in John 3 and 16, we see this a lot at football games in the end zone, where it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would have eternal life and not perish. You see, that's the kind of God that loves you that much, to send his one and only son. And here's the thing. When we give our heart to Jesus, we join the family of God. And when you're in a family, you follow the patriarch, the father of that family. John tells us today that God is love. And so we recognize and realize that when we're walking in the light, that we're loving those around us unconditionally. And so may you experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life as you walk this path of light. 
May the Spirit empower you to do things that you never thought possible as you love other people unconditionally. May you exhibit and reflect the light of Christ in your language and your behavior with everyone that you come in contact with. May you shine like never before for the cause of Christ and make him famous.